Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. There's a story in the Old Testament of a, of a, a threat that was facing the nation of Israel. And they were being led by a prophet named Samuel. And their enemies were amassing. Their enemies were gathering to attack them. And Samuel led the people in sacrifice and worship to God. And while they did that, God himself routed their enemies. And as at that point, I'm going to read 1 Samuel 7, 12. 1 Samuel 7, 12 says this. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it in between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And that's what I want to commemorate today. Up to this point, the Lord has helped us. How has the Lord helped us? What has God done over the past 20 years? I'm going to highlight some things. It was mentioned in the video that we've, we've been running the community meal for almost 20 years now. And in that time, we've served over 40,000 people, well over 40,000 people. Over the past 20 years, we've contributed to missions around the world in various forms, whether supporting individual missions, missionaries, uh, whether um, special offerings going to special projects, uh, when there were disasters in the world, we, we took up a special offering and we had people designating money as well. And over the past 20 years, we have given over $1 million to missions. That's a big deal. That's an impact in God's kingdom worldwide. More than that, over the past 20 years, we've had over 250 people baptized, making a decision, a public decision, to go all in with Jesus. We've had people trained as leaders at Crossland's, students and interns and former pastors, a few of which, many of which, are already, they're in full-time ministry today. We've had a, a bunch of people just in the past few, year, few years went up to Bradford and launched Promise Church, which is thriving today. We have, we have people that have, have learned and trained here that are now pastors in other churches. And it's those lives changed. And as Wade said, this is what God has done. It's all about Jesus. This far, God has helped us. We can look at all the things that are around us. We can look at, the, for example, the building. I've had, I've had many friends come by, pastors come by. Not all my friends are pastors. A few of them are. And they say, wow, you're so fortunate to have this building. And we are. It's, it's a great blessing. But that's... It's what God has done, but it's the lives that matter. We have to be careful that when we celebrate, when we have a memorial, when we set up the equivalent of an altar that says, this far God has helped us, we, don't, we, we look back to what God has done, but we also look to the future, to what God will do. This far, God has helped us, but God has helped us this far to work towards the future. See, the memorials can become idols. We can be obsessed with the things. We can be so uh, enamored with this building that that gets our attention. But it's a means to an end. God has brought us this far, but not just to bring us this far. The question is, where do we go from here? 
We celebrate what God has done, but what does he want to do in the future? I mentioned how much we've, uh, we've given towards missions over the years, and, and we are blessed to have this building, and a lot of money has gone towards the building because they just cost a lot of money. We have this, this idea in our culture that there are various churches around, and people will point to that church building and that church building, and less so in, in, in North America. In, the United, in, in Europe, there are beautiful buildings that commemorate, I mean, the, the architectural style of the building is intended to commemorate something about God and our interaction with God on earth. And, and they are, they're, they're impressive and they're great to visit and see. But one of the negatives of that is that we look at a building, we say that's the church and that's not the church. The church is people. The church isn't just people. I don't wanna, I don't wanna give you the sense that, well, any, any group of people that decides to be the church is the church, no. God's people are God's, the people who have responded in faith to him, that he has assembled and he has called, he has empowered, he is in relationship with, and he calls to his mission in the world. That's what the church is. I read a verse from 1 Peter 2, verse 5. It says this. Peter's writing this letter to, to Christians that have been spread around the world. He says, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Christ, Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. There's a few things going on in here. You are the spiritual building. It echoes what Paul says in his letters, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, that what happened in, in the Old Testament, what happens in most cultures of the world, there's, a, there's an innate sense that there is something beyond us, there's divinity beyond us. And over time, that, that recognition has been expressed in many ways, and most cultures in the world, in history, have acknowledged that, and, and they would build a temple, certainly in the ancient Near East, they would build a, a building that would be there to house the presence or the manifestation of the deity. And we see, in the Old Testament, we see God accommodating that mindset. I will come and live with you. I will come and live among you in this localized place. At first, it was a tent, a movable tent. And he had all these, these uh, requirements that, by which people could experience God's presence. And then, by the time you have, throughout the history of King David and King Solomon, they actually built a temple, a permanent version of the tent that is, it's structured the same way. It's the same kind of format with different processes and, and access points and, 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 and um, depths to which you could encounter God. And, and it was limited, you know? Certain people could only come so far and then a fewer people could come farther into God's presence and then at the very center of it, it was only the priests localized. But when we get to the New Testament, something changes. See, God sent Jesus to come and, and break the barrier that veil between humanity and God, because God wants to live with his people. And so because of that, the follow-up to that, it wasn't just that the veil was broken, but God plants his spirit in any human being that places his trust in Jesus. And that's why Paul says in a number of places, he says, your body is the temple. Sometimes we, we sort of lose track of that and, and, and we think that 
when you come into a building on a Sunday morning, we say, well, this is, this is the house of God. No, we are the house of God. And it's, it's expressed two ways. One is you are, there's the problem in English. See, when I say you, does that mean one you or does it mean many you? We don't distinguish. A lot of languages have a distinction. And Paul says it two ways. In one, he says you, the singular you, that's where the Holy Spirit lives. But in another spot in the, in the same text, he says you together is where God's Spirit lives. The called out people of God, that's where he lives. That's the temple. It's not a building, it's us. Now if you're, it's a little bit clearer if you, if you sort of come from the Peterborough area because there they can say you or they can say yous. Yous are the temple of God. Drives me crazy, but at least, hey, it's a little clearer. We are, this is where God lives among us. And, and not just here, but when you walk out the doors. Where you go, God is with you. Where you meet with two or three other people, God is with you. And throughout history, we've seen both of those expressions. We've seen fabulous, magnificent buildings built to commemorate, to commemorate, to be a memorial, right? To look back on and celebrate what God has done. But there's a confusion there. And then there's other places where that isn't allowed and times in, in history where that, that isn't allowed. The, our, our tradition, our denomination is just over 100 years old. And even in our history, there was a period of time where the church could not meet together where Sunday services were canceled, but the church was still the church. Throughout the Spanish flu epidemic, the second decade of the last century, there was times when the churches were closed for an extended period of time, and the church still met. There have been times in history, not just because of disease or plague, but because of persecution, where the church could not meet together in public. It was very early on that the, the church was meeting in underground tombs, in private, in secret, because of persecution. That's still the case in some countries today, in China, in many places. More so recently, as the government is cracking down on, on the practice of religion. Under communist Russian rule, the church would meet in secret. Oh sure, there were, there were state churches that would sort of bow to the government requirements that would, I'm not talking about medical requirements, like COVID requirements, I'm talking about acknowledging the state as superior. That's a different thing. In Iran today, there's a, there's a vibrant church that is meeting privately, not in buildings, because the building is not the church. Where God lives is in us and among us. This is who we are. This is what we're called to be. And, and this, this whole, um, the shift in thinking it's almost a pagan notion that God lives in a building. That has been strongly challenged today because of COVID. Sure, we want to meet together, but where God lives is in us and among us. Meeting together, I mean, to be able to, to worship out loud together, that's amazing. You can go to some places in, in the world where Christianity is illegal, and they'll meet together and they'll worship quietly for fear of being caught by the police or, or, or turned in by neighbors. But we have the privilege of worshiping out loud. But we are the church. God lives in each one of us and among us together. We need one another. 
God has brought us this far, but he didn't bring us this far just to bring us this far. God has more stuff that he wants to do. And another thing that COVID has, has brought to the fore is that the future is really hard to predict. I remember, um, it wasn't that long ago, I believe it was 2020, and all across North America, pastors were preaching sermons about vision, what we could expect from the future, and I was one of the many pastors that made a joke about 2020 vision. And nobody predicted a pandemic. <laughs> I remember we were having conversations in, in June of 2020. Wade, you'll remember this. We were having staff meeting conversations about what if we were to facilitate small groups online? What would that look like? I don't know if we want to do that. I've had, I've had two conversations just this past week, planned meetings, where instead of when and where do you want to meet, the question is, what is your preferred online platform to meet? Nobody knew that was a question two years ago, and now we're all very familiar with Zoom. This is not a limit for God. God is not caught by surprise by the future. And so as we face the future, it looks cloudy. It looks dark, it looks murky. Where are we gonna be a year from now? I don't know, where are we gonna be 10 years from now? I don't know. But God, is, God knows what's gonna happen. And I, and I believe that you know, God could tell us, but he doesn't because he wants us to trust him. He doesn't want us to go off on our own with some clear vision of the future apart from him. He wants us to trust him and follow him because God has brought us this far, but not just to bring us this far. Back uh, when things were a lot more dangerous, they used to have uh, diving boards on swimming pools. Now it's too dangerous. So you, you might have a diving rock or like us, nothing. But see, what, what you do with a diving board is you, 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 you get a spring um, that launches you farther than you would launch without it. And I felt this for a number of years. Um, and I think I'm right. The, we, we've had 20 years of sort of an uphill climb we faced difficulties, faced the economic crisis. The economic crisis was rough. Uh, I remember we had a staff, a board meeting one night, and, and I, I took a, a whiteboard in uh, 2012, and, uh, and I put it up in front of the pastor's committee, and I said, we, we have a choice to make. It's not a choice we have to make tonight, but by six months, it'll, it'll probably be a choice we have to make. We have to decide whether to keep the building or the staff because we were hit so hard by the economic crisis. It wasn't, wasn't immediate, 2008, it wasn't immediate, but we had a restaurant next door that was paying about $8,000 a month to us, and they stopped paying rent and we evicted them, and we were short $8,000 a month, and for one year, we borrowed $8,000 a month like a reverse mortgage from our district. And that was in 2012, we were borrowing $8,000 a month, and we got to the point where we said, this decision just doesn't have to be made this week, but it's, it's the, the line's going to converge in six months. What do we do? 
And God led us through that. I don't know how it happened, even in hindsight. In 2013, by the end of that fiscal year, 2013, we had that $8,000 a month borrowed. We had it paid off by the following year. And we didn't lay off any staff and we still have the building. And so we face COVID and we go, there's uncertainty and, and the finances are down and where do we go? But I know that we faced worse in the past and God has brought us this, this far. But he didn't just bring us this far to bring us this far. Over time, we have, we've, we've established some stability. We've put some savings in the bank that has helped carry us through COVID. It's helped us to survive. It's helped us to move forward one week, one month, one year at a time, one step at a time. God didn't bring stability to us so we could be stable. God didn't give us a beautiful building so we could have a beautiful building. God didn't bring us this far just to bring us this far. Because everything God has brought us to, to this point, I believe, is like a springboard, is like a diving board that we launch from this point to what he has for us in the future. We launch from here toward the next 20 years which isn't about status quo. It's not about looking back to previous glory years. It's about looking ahead to what God wants to do in the future. And how do we do that? I want to explain that a very, very little bit. I'm going to run out of time here. The, the Christian story is a story of paradoxes. It's the story of the all-powerful, perfect, holy God becoming, lowering himself to become a weak human being. It's a paradox. It's about the victory of God, his power over evil, his power over darkness, his power over death, demonstrated in humiliation and shame. That through death, he defeated death. It's, about, it's a paradox about how for us to save our lives, we have to give our lives. That's a paradox. And then when it comes to following Jesus, there's a paradox, there's a tension between two extremes. And the one extreme is this, that as followers of Jesus, um, to, be, to be a follower of Jesus doesn't mean, doesn't mean to be a good citizen. It doesn't mean to be a nice person. To be a follower of Jesus means to be all in, passionately engaged with the God who made you to love you to experience him, to be changed by him, to be transformed by him. And, I, and I, I've always believed that is true. We've struggled for a long time and how, do people, how to lead people to that and through it. How do we help people encounter God on a regular daily basis together because God lives among us, but also by ourselves because, we, because he lives within each one of us. And over the past years, past just two or three years, God has, has led us to this discipleship program, The Way, that trains people, gives you the tools to hear his voice, to have your character changed, to learn how to lead in that, in that intimate encounter with the holy, powerful, loving God. And, and in that encounter, you can't help but be changed. All the way in, transformed by God. That's the one extreme. The other extreme is to live that out in the world. Many times we, we as, as Christians, can become so enamored with this, 
the, the, the worship experience, the experience with God, and we forget that God sent Jesus to die for all humanity. And sometimes we break off our relationships with those people. Sometimes we want to huddle and cloister only with nice Christian people. But the other extreme is to go out into the world and wherever you go, you carry him with you. On one extreme, you're transformed from the inside out by his spirit. On the other extreme is you carry that with you. Not just in church small groups and Bible studies and Sunday morning worship services, but everywhere you go at work, on your sports teams, in your school. And there's that paradox. There's, there are those two extremes happening at the same time. I, I still struggle with this one because I'm, I, I don't know how to inspire people to actually do that. Not, not just to invite someone to church. This is part of the conversation Wade and I were having this morning. People think I invited somebody to church and I did my job. No, introduce them to Jesus. What difference has he made in your life? We seem to have a, a problem saying that. What difference has Jesus made in my life and how can I share that with somebody that doesn't know him? When we submit to God, we emphasize his holiness, how we're changed by him. And there are churches that, that lean so far that way that they, they become a, a small community of people that ignore those on the outside. And there are churches that, that emphasize the unity and reaching out with all humanity, but they lose sight of who God is. They just want to create a community. We just want to be a united community with no... Nothing defining them besides the fact that it's a community. You can find community on your hockey team or your book reading club. But the challenge is to bring them both together. Unity and holiness together. This is our call. This is, this is how we walk forward in the future, trusting God, obeying God, as we're transformed by him all the way in and all the way out to our neighbors that don't know him. It's a challenge. I have a friend that's said to this to me a few times. He said, the greatest sin of the church today is distraction. We're called to two things, to know God and to share him. And we're distracted by all kinds of things. I have no, I have no problem with playing sports or watching movies. I'm a big movie fan. And I, I don't want to lay a downer on anybody, um, but it's amazing how many times you get together with followers of Jesus and the conversation is about anything else besides Jesus and what he's doing and what he's done. I'm guilty of that myself. The greatest sin facing the world today is distraction. And we find ourselves busy doing so many other things besides going all in in the transforming presence of Jesus and going all out in sharing him with our friends and neighbors. God didn't bring us this far for us to be comfortable. He didn't bring us this far for us to retire or relax. God didn't bring us this far so we can sit down and look at all the wonderful things he's done in the past. He didn't bring us this far just to bring us this far. 
We have a, a calling to walk with him in the future. We're called to live in submission to God. We're called to walk out in mission with God. This is who we are across this church. We are followers of Jesus. God made you for relationship with him. And maybe you're here today and you've never actually done the submission to God. You've never been in relationship with him. Maybe you're watching online and you're going, that sounds intriguing and, and that's the one thing that's missing, the actual relationship with God. I'm surprised at how many people have either not grown up in a church context or grown up in a church context and think that this whole journey is, is, a, is a mindset or a worldview. No, it's a relationship with the living creator who created you to love him. And I wanna in, invite you to enter into that relationship today. It's as simple as ABC. The A stands for admit or acknowledge your need. I need you, God. I need that acceptance. I need that, that forgiveness for everything that I've done wrong. I need that purpose. I need an overarching meaning and purpose in my life, and that's only found in God. A is admit that. B is believe. And it's not just a, a mental assent. It is, it is a trust in the God that sent Jesus to die on your behalf. Our natural tendency is to live for self-destruction. But in that paradox, when we give up our life, when we put our full trust in Jesus, that's when we find it. So the believe is that, is that allegiance and trust to Jesus. And C is commit. From, from now on, my life belongs to God. I'm going to forsake my past and live the new life that God has for me in the future for today and all eternity. And if this is a decision you're making today for the first time, let me lead you in a prayer. Prayer isn't really complicated. It's, it's a submissive con conversation with God. So I'm gonna pray, just make my words yours. You can try to say them along with me or repeat them immediately after and pray something like this. Father in heaven, I thank you that you have made me to love you. I thank you that you have made me for purpose. And I admit that I have not been living in that. I'm choosing to trust you today. I'm choosing to believe that through Jesus' death and resurrection, I have access to you. And I'm choosing to commit my life to you today. Thank you for welcoming me into your family Jesus' name, amen. If this is a decision you are making today for the first time, please connect with us. There is a whole new spiritual journey that uh, it goes beyond your imagination. Uh, we, we do want to teach people how to encounter God, how to hear from them, how to have their character transformed by his presence. And so connect with us, go to crosslands.live and, and click the follow Jesus button, give us your contact info, and we will help you with those next steps. This is kind of what we're here to do. Today, as we celebrate 20 years, I want you to think about your own life. How far has God brought you? What has he done in your past? What is your story? What is your testimony? All of us have a story. Some of them are really dramatic and some people don't think theirs is dramatic, but it is. What has God done in your life? How far has he brought you? God did not bring you this far just to bring you this far. 
The Bible says that God is able to do more than we can think or imagine. Every time I hear that voice or that verse, I always, I always think of Han Solo. The end of the first movie, he says, I don't know, I can imagine a lot. God can do more than we can think or imagine. And we celebrate what God has done over the past 20 years. Today is like a memorial. It's like a stone in the sand. The 20-year mark, what has God done? He has helped us this far, but he did not help us this far just to bring us this far. What does God have for us in the future? That's what we anticipate. That's what we look forward to. Let's close the service in prayer. Father, I thank you that you are a good God. Father, and we acknowledge you, we honor you, we worship you for everything that you have done in the past of this church. But you also want to say that we don't want to live in the past. We will look to see what you have done, but we look forward to see what you want to do, what you will do. And we're putting our hand in yours. We're going to walk with you. We're going to trust you no matter the circumstances. We're going to trust you no matter how dark it gets. Because we know that you can do beyond what we can think or imagine. I pray that you would, for each one of us today, mark out for us, remind us of what you have done, but also increase our vision, increase our appetite for what you can do, for what you want to do. Help us to purpose to avoid the distractions that keep us from your presence and that keep us from sharing you with those around us that don't know you. And Father, I pray that in 20 years, Crossing Church would be able to celebrate even more beyond what we could imagine today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.